good morning. Good to see all of you here in one big service. Thanks for working with us. Some of you had to come later. Some of you came earlier, uh, but you're all here. If some folks come in in just a few minutes for the next 20 minutes, uh, don't mention it to them that we started 30 minutes ago, all right? They may be coming for the 11 o'clock service. If you're a guest, thanks for being here. Whether you're from in town or out of town, thanks for spending a little bit of time with us today. I hope your Christmas went well. It's the day after Christmas, time to rest, right? That's why we gave uh, just one service today, give some of our staff a little bit of time to rest and, uh, and get you out of here a little bit early. And I see some yawning going on already, and you can, um, you can get you a good nap in today. And uh, you made it. You made it to the last Sunday of the year. Give yourself a hand for that. <clears throat> the last Sunday. Now, I'm just, I'm just curious, uh, did anybody, uh, is this your 52nd Sunday in church this year? Anybody? You made it 52 Sundays. Don't be ashamed. I see one, I see two. It might not have been here, but it was somewhere. 52 weeks. All right. Now, I'll go on, I could go on down 51, 50, 49, but uh, 52 is our goal. 52 is our goal. Whether you're in town or out of town, there's a church uh, preaching the gospel, lifting up the praises of the Lord, and you should be in it, whether it's um, uh, here or somewhere else. Online still counts this Sunday. Online still counts, so at least, uh, at least you have that. And uh, we're going to share a message today. You know, it's uh, the same graphic package from our Christmas series, Great Joy. But I've titled this message, The Art of Finishing Well. And so we could say the great joy of finishing well. I've heard some people talking about uh, New Year's already. Next Sunday will be the first Sunday of the new year, 2022. Isn't that amazing? I remember when we were all looking forward to 2020, you know, it was 10 years off, and then now we're, we just blew by it, 2022. But before we start, you have to finish. Before you start a new year, you got to finish the old year, and we want you to finish well. And honestly, honestly, none of us have a guarantee that we'll even see 2022. I don't want that to be a gloom and doom kind of thing, but anything can happen. Anything can happen. And the most glorious thing that could happen is the Lord could just come back and draw the curtain closed and say, this is it. We're calling it quits here. We're going up there. Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be great. <clears throat> That'd be great. Man, my recovery row is a little weak today. I see a few seats empty, but I'm counting on you guys. Uh, I need you today, all right? Uh, yeah, recovery row. We got some great things planned for our recovery ministry, and I was going to wait and tell you later, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, all right? We're expanding our recovery ministry. It's, it's been going so well. <clears throat> Our, uh, our recovery house back here houses seven uh, men, uh, fully vetted, and uh, those who, who want to get better, who want to do better. And they stay there for uh, as long as they need to, really, but we hope six months or so will we'll help them. 
Many of you know Christopher Bradbury moved back to uh, Clovis, New Mexico. I say back because he's moved out there two or three times in that area. But uh, we think he's staying. We think he's going to stay. He's at, in Clovis, New Mexico. Maybe you've missed seeing him around here. I certainly have. He is Mr. Dependable, and uh, does so. he did so much for us. But he moved out there. He's uh, part of a, a little Christian school out there. We're going to take his house. He lived, it's actually our house, but he lived there, the brick beside this, and we're going to expand and add four more beds for the newest newcomers. So that goes from seven to 11. But the top part of that house, we're going to turn into a living uh, quarters for our, can I call him our chief resident? And that's Mark McKeon. Mark, Mark's been with us the longest. <clears throat> Mark's been with us the longest, and he, uh, he's the, um, the chief. Let's just call him the chief over there. Make sure everybody's walking in the line. They should. So he's going to live in the top. We'll add the forest, four newest residents to the bottom floor. They'll graduate to the house next door seven over there, but that's not all. Once they finish there, this past year, we were able through our recovery ministry to purchase uh, an apartment building just down the street here. You could hit it with a rock if you have a good arm. And so we're remodeling that for four more residents, two on each side, and that's when they're almost ready to go back uh, to their life and into society. So if you add the five over here, counting Mark, seven here, and four over there, that's, uh, that's a pretty good number, and that's a great ministry that we're, uh, that we're doing here. <clears throat> so I know there was a lot of trepidation and a lot of hesitation and a lot of reservation uh, when we started this ministry, and uh, we, we, we are still as tedious with the rules and with the vetting and with the purpose, and it is a therapeutic model. It's called a therapeutic uh, recovery model where these men are integrated into the life of the church. So they're expected to be here for service, and uh, I think they want to be here for service, and they're expected to be a part of a small group, and they're integrated into the life of the church. And so we see them. They see us. And it's not a they and us, it's a us, just a us, because all of us, all of us come from somewhere, don't we? All of us come from somewhere. And I want to tell you something, God is very interested in how you start your journey with him. He's very interested in that. He wants you to start the journey with him. And I heard Steve mention that this morning. If you don't know the Lord, this is the day that the Lord has made, and today is the day of salvation. We invite you to consider, we invite you to take a step into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But he is really concerned about how you finish. As you see, it doesn't, doesn't matter when you start. However, the later you start, the more time you waste. You're wasting time if you're out there serving yourself or serving somebody else or if somebody else sits on the throne of your life. You're just wasting time. You're wasting time. 
But once you get into a relationship with the Lord and you start serving him, your time is being well spent and you're building relationships that matter and you're growing in your faith and you're headed to a finish line. So God definitely wants you to get started, but he is very concerned that you finish. So we're going to talk about the art of finishing well. A lot of people don't finish well. Here's some names of folks who didn't finish well or had to get a restart, a mulligan, if you will, if you're a golfer, and really hurt a lot of people who might have finished well but didn't. Some names you'll remember, like Jimmy Swaggart. You know, my grandmother loved Jimmy Swaggart, but he really blew it. He blew it and hurt a lot of people. Ted Haggard, another famous preacher from out west. Bill Gothard, you may not know his name. How about Josh Harris, the young man who wrote, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Rob Bell, Perry Noble, Bill Hybels. Remember Bill Hybels, the largest church in the country at one time up at, in Chicago. Bart Campolo, Marty Sampson, a great Hillsong worship leader. Mark Driscoll, Ravi Zacharias, Josh Duggar. Know any of these names? Maybe you know one. Maybe there are others who didn't make the list. And there, there's a greater list than this of people who started but didn't finish well. They didn't finish well. Now, granted, some of them, like Perry Noble, for instance, who lost his ministry, lost his church, lost his wife to a divorce. They have time to turn it around, to repent, to get it going again. Perry Noble did that and started another church called Second Chance Church. And we pray for him that he will finish well. But the people that they damage along the way because of their stumbling and falling is, uh, is immense. It's great. We need to finish well, don't we? And it'll be the greatest test of your life. It'll be the greatest uh, accomplishment of your life. If in your marriage you finish well, if in your, your spirit, your life with God, you finish well, if in your purpose that God has given to you, you finish well. That's, that's the reward, the reward for finishing well for us. So in Philippians chapter 3, we get a prescription of how to finish well. Last, a couple nights ago, I shared a little bit of an exposition on Philippians chapter 2 when we had our Christmas Eve service. I want to jump over to chapter 3 because there's a prescription here in chapter 3 on how to finish well. Now again, uh, Paul, the apostle, wrote the book of Philippians while he was in prison. He wrote this book to people who needed some encouragement. Honestly, if we were to pick a book of the Bible or even a passage of the Bible to finish the year on, this would be it. This would be the book. This is one of the greatest little books in the Bible. Philippians is a book where you could grab maybe a dozen different nuggets of truth that just you could live with the whole year long. I mean, it would just, it would take you the whole year and you could just live on that one verse. And there's lots of them here in, uh, in the book of Philippians. It was a book to encourage people to keep going while he was being punished 
well, for preaching Christ and uh, was no doubt chained in the, uh, maybe his feet, I don't know, he, he was able to write or at least dictate to others while they wrote. We know some of his books were written that way because in one of his books he says, this one is written in my own hand. And so Paul in the bleakest of circumstances was encouraging other people to be happy, to be content in the Lord, to, to uh, be joyful, to rejoice, and to finish well. And so Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to go, just three verses. The Apostle Paul, talking about finishing well, says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on, to t- uh, press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Great passage, isn't it? I challenge you to commit this passage to memory, at least part of it, for the new year. And here are four things in this prescription for you to finish well. First of all, admit that you're not where you want to be. Admit that you're not where you want to be. Let's be honest with ourselves. We, you know, there were many of us who said, uh, by the end of 2021, I want to have this done. I want to be at this weight. I want to have these uh, goals accomplished, and uh, there are there are a lot of us, maybe all of us, who have to admit we're not where we want to be. Right? Not where we want to be. Opportunities missed this year. Uh, opportunities to witness for Christ. Opportunities to stand up for Christian freedom and the right to life. Opportunities to help other people. Opportunities to sign up, to show up, to stand up, to serve. There were times when we failed to respond to people with a Christ-like attitude. We may have wanted to put more money into the work of the kingdom, but instead we spent it on ourselves or we invested it in order to make money for ourselves. And you, you know, this is the time of year you need to, uh, if you use that anymore for your taxes, to check your giving statement and you can sign up for it or email Ashley for it. And you should look at that. You should look at your giving statement. How much did I invest in the kingdom of God through my local church or whatever that is? No doubt we can look back at a lot of moments, moments when we just blew it in our marriage. We said the wrong thing. We did the wrong thing. And can I get a witness from any other men who who blew it at least one time in your marriage in 2021? Yeah, the rest of you are lying, let me tell you. And we'll talk to your wife later. And wives, you're not immune either. Uh, but I'll get in trouble if I go down that road. <laughs> and now you're in trouble. So in order to finish well, we have to acknowledge that we're not where we want to be. And that's what the Apostle Paul says in verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. I'm not there yet. Brothers and sisters, he said in verse 13, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Now think about what Paul is saying here. This is the apostle Paul. His life since meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus is a a life of passion and commitment to God, come what may, in in the worst of circumstances, in the face of death and peril and danger. Apostle Paul in one place 
in 2 Corinthians said, I have faced danger not just from my own countrymen. That was the Jewish people who hated him now that he betrayed them. He was one of them chasing down Christians. But when he met Jesus, he went to the other side. He went to the side of Jesus, and now he was working against them, they thought. He faced trouble from them, but also he traced, faced trouble from bandits on the road and, and uh, trouble at sea and trouble uh, you know, in, in places where the gospel wasn't welcome. He got ran out of a lot of towns. But he never stopped. He never quit. He kept going. And when he got knocked down, he got back up. At one point, he was left for dead. But the, the church nursed him back to health, and he got back out there and, and continued to preach the gospel. And this is the apostle Paul. He had done far more with the gospel in his life than most of us will do collectively for Jesus. Yet after all that, he didn't feel like he had arrived. And neither should you. Neither should you. So don't beat up on yourself too much when you acknowledge that you've had failures, that you've missed opportunities, that you've had some things pass you by this past year. Opportunities that brought regret because you're like, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I say that? Why didn't I buy that? Why didn't I spend my money here? Why didn't I? Why didn't I? But let me tell you, it's too late now. But it's not too late to acknowledge that and do something about it. I remember what the great American philosopher Yogi Berra said. Remember Yogi Berra? Anybody? What'd he say? It ain't over till it's over. It ain't over till it's over. So secondly, don't give up on becoming the person God wants you to be. We're not where we want to be, but don't give up on the person God wants you to be. Giving up is not an option. Quit should be taken out of your vocabulary. Have you ever watched a, a race? I love watching on my phone. I love watching on YouTube races, like track and field races, long races. And you ever see a race where, and maybe you've seen this in person, where somebody started out strong and you knew the pack's going to catch them. And before you know it, they, they just faltered. They, they ran out of energy. Or maybe here's one that you can relate to. A basketball team, maybe a college basketball team. Maybe a college basketball team in this state that will get a big lead and really pour it on. And then something happens in the last two minutes, 10 minutes, and they just blow it. Now, we've been fortunate so far. I don't want to beat up on Marshall anymore. But um, <laughs> I was really talking about the other team up there. But it is, uh, it's sad, isn't it? It's just sad and disheartening when you see somebody start so well and you see a team start so well and play so well only to blow apart or give up or lay down halfway through or three quarters of the way through. It reminds me of Aesop's fable. Remember the, the uh, turtle and the hare? You remember that old story? Of course, everybody remembers that story. If you don't, Somebody in your family doesn't know that, tell them the story. You remember the, the rabbit, the hare, 
He got overconfident, didn't he? Got, got a little bit cocky. And he thought, I'm so good and he's so bad, I can beat him and take a nap. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm all about taking naps. You need to take a nap. You need to rest. But not when the going's getting tough. You need to, you need to rest in Jesus but be moving forward. And so um, don't give up on the person God wants you to be. Some haven't finished well because of their selfish pride. Others because of laziness and some because they got distracted by the world. Listen to me, fellas. This will be your greatest test this year. The devil wants to distract you. He wants to distract you. He wants to pull you away from your purpose. He wants to pull you away from your family. He wants to pull you away from your your resolve of 2021. You know, at the end of the book of Colossians, Paul mentions some of the men who were working with him in the cause of Christ and the advancement of the gospel. This is the end of Colossians chapter 4, 10 to 15. He mentions a man by the name of Aristarchus and a young John Mark. You remember him? He mentions a man named Justice and another one named Epaphras. He also mentions his dear friend and doctor, Luke. And he mentions another fellow worker named Demas. Paul mentions Demas. He also uh, mentions Demas again at, uh, at later in his ministry, but this time it's not a good mention. This time it wasn't mentioning him for his faithfulness and partnership in the gospel. This time it was he mentioned him because Demas got distracted. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, he said, Demas, because he loved this present world, he loved this world, he deserted me. And I want to tell you something, the devil will do a lot to distract us, won't he? I mean, it'll seem like a good thing. It'll seem like a noble thing, a worthy thing. It'll seem like something you ought to be involved in. But don't be tricked, don't be deceived. Don't be pulled to the side issues or pulled to those things that seem to matter, even if they matter to a lot of people. There's only one thing that matters, Jesus said. One thing. That's what he told um, Mary and Martha. He told Martha, he said, that only one thing matters. And here's what it was. Mary has chosen the best part. She's chosen to be with me. She's chosen to walk with me. She's chosen to follow me. She's chosen to live in my uh, uh, circle. And that's what you need to remember. The devil wants to pull you out of that. He wants to distract you. And a lot of good men, a lot of good women have been distracted by the things that seemed to be important but really weren't important. You know what I mean? Recovery Row, you still with me? Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted and then spend the rest of your life fighting to get back to where you know you ought to be because now the distractions and those things that have pulled you away have built walls in front of you and they've, they've, they've triggered things in, in you and they've, they've caused some permanent damage in you that's gonna make it hard for you to get back to where God wants you to be. And let me just tell you something, there's a lot of people walking out here on the streets and a lot of people in our world today who, uh, who had good intentions but got distracted and now who knows if they'll ever come back. Who knows? And so we got to reach them. We got to help them. That's why the apostle Paul said, I press on. And listen to this, 
strong language. He says, I am straining toward what is ahead. I'm straining toward. I love those races that finish with someone laying all out and diving into the pavement to get across the line first. Don't you like those? I mean, it's like, ooh, that must have hurt. But he won by a fingertip. He won by a fingertip. Thirdly, we can't give up on becoming the person God wants us to be, uh, but we should gain a strength from our partnership with Christ. Now, I don't want you to go away from this message saying, you know, I can do better, I, I need to do better without mentioning the second part of this. You can't do better. You won't do better except for the partnership we have in Christ. By his Holy Spirit, you can do better. A lot of good intentions, but if you leave Jesus out of it, then it's not gonna work. And and you know, uh, speaking of the recovery ministry, a lot of the recovery ministry tries to get better just by leaving God out of it. Now, there's a God in the higher power stuff, but it takes a relationship with Jesus Christ to get better. That's what we believe here, and that's what we're practicing here, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. It's not just a good plan or a good idea or something good to work, and that's what I think AA is and a lot of other programs that you could be a part of, whether it's for losing weight or getting out of addiction or, or just becoming a better husband or a better wife. But it's going to take Jesus to make you successful. It's a partnership. Paul said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul said, I'm still straining, I'm still working, but it's what Jesus took hold of me for. He says in verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So Paul said, don't forget, it's not you, it's him. You see, you don't run alone. You don't walk alone. You're not in this by yourself. If you think you are, it's because your eyes are closed. We're not in this alone. You're not running the race alone. You're not the only one headed for the finish line. You're not the only one in the fight. You're not the only one who has those problems. You're not the only one who has those addictive tendencies, those temptations in your life. Everybody in the human race is facing basically a lot of the same problems or types of problems. So don't get depressed like Elijah. Remember Elijah in the Old Testament after he fought the 400 prophets of Baal and really God made a showing there? And then what did he do? He realized that when he killed those guys who worked for Jezebel, that she was going to be mad. And there's nothing funny about a mad woman named Jezebel. Yeah. And so he ran. He ran. He got depressed. He knew his life was in danger. And he said, this is in 1 Kings 19, he said, Lord, God said, what are, you, what are you doing, Elijah? This is Dave's paraphrase, okay? What are you doing, Elijah? He said, God, I just want to die. He said, I just did this great thing, but now everybody hates me, and they're after me, and I'm the only one. I'm the only one pulling for you. I'm the only one that's trying to live right. I'm the only one facing what I'm facing. You know what God said? He said, no, you're not. No, you're not. He said, I have reserved 7,000 people in Israel. Now, that doesn't sound like a big number, but in that day, it was a big number. 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal and who are not afraid of the virus. I mean, of Jezebel. 
7,000. How about staying there? Let's go on. But listen, even if you were alone, even if you were alone, even if no one else was running, even if it was only you, Jesus would still be there to walk with you. He'd still be there to walk with you. That's what Paul is saying here. Jesus had taken hold of him for a purpose, and now he was striving to take hold of that same purpose. You know, it's a, it's a partnership, and there's some wrestling, like Jacob wrestled with God, and there's some resistance at first. And it's, God, do you, is that really what you call me to do? Is this really what you want me to say? Is this really where you want me to stand up? Is this really where you want me to put my stake in the ground? Is this really it? God says, yeah, this is it. I'm not comfortable yet. I'm not ready yet. God says, you're ready. You're ready. You got to step out there. You got to do it. And just remember, I'll be behind you. I'll be right behind you. Paul said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. There's too much at stake here, folks, not to finish well. Too much at stake. You with me? You should keep a picture, fellas, ladies, of your family close to you at all times. Now that we have phones, with, we can look at all times. And the next time you're tempted by some distraction, you should look at your family and you say, nope, too much, too much on the line here. Too much on the line here. I need to buckle down and strain toward the prize. And it's going to be a great prize. In 2 Timothy 4, we read that part is our focus time, but Paul said this, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. You know, this was the last book that he wrote. He said, I've kept the faith, and now there is laid in store for me the crown of righteousness, and not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. That was the purpose of the partnership. It's why Paul was saved it's why he wanted to finish well. Look, this is a partnership. It's, and it's a partnership where God does most of the work. That's the one we like, isn't it? It's a partnership where he carries the load. He does all the work. We get all the benefit. You know, God is a self-sustaining, self-existent God. He lacks for nothing. He needs nothing. He has no failures no imperfections that he would need some supplement or some complement he is all in, entirely sufficient so he doesn't need us he doesn't need us he has chosen to create us and in his image and to offer us an opportunity for a relationship with him he chose to do that and so this partnership is all about our benefit. We got to be careful to give him the glory because it's, it, the glory is his. It's, it's why he took hold of you. John says in John 1, 12, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans 8, 14, for there's, uh, those who are led by the spirit are the children of God. In 1 Timothy 6, another one of my favorite passages, he told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And listen to what he said here. The same terminology is in Philippians 3. Take hold of the eternal life. In other words, you do your part. Little as it is, 
Do your part to which you were called when you were made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So it's a partnership that benefits me and glorifies him. One last thing uh, in this prescription, if you want to finish well, leave your past in the past. Leave your past in the past. Leave it back there. I know I'm talking to people who have a past. We all have a past, right? We all have a past, and some pasts are worse than others. And the easiest way for us to waste our lives is to get hung up on the past. We get hung up on what we did or hung up on what somebody did to us, and we waste our lives and our energy and our effort thinking about that, trying to reconstruct that, trying to redo that, and we can't redo that. And these thoughts and regrets can weigh us down and uh, slow us down. It can tie us up, and it can keep us from moving forward. Some of you may be embarrassed by your past, the bad things you've done. You'd be ashamed to tell the person in the next row or the next seat the things you've done. You'd be embarrassed in those dark, deep, places those secrets in your life to share those but i want to tell you god can and will use your stupid choices your suffering your pain god can use anything for his glory he can use it all don't 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 keep god don't deprive god you know god's not going to twist anybody's arm into the kingdom God will work with you if you turn your heart toward him by the Holy Spirit as he draws you through the gospel. Don't don't deprive others of the blessing they can get from your pain. Well, I was so proud at our memorial service last Sunday night when some people shared about the pain they'd have in loss. And it took them years, it took them a while, but now they're willing to help other people uh, with by the pain that they've had in their life through this suffering. And uh, God will move you forward in your suffering even this way. Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I leave the past in the past, I let it stay back there. Instead of looking at what happened to you and saying, look at what happened to me, I'm done, I'm finished. I can't recover from this. And some of you haven't, done terribly bad things, but maybe you should be embarrassed because you didn't do any good things. You let others take the step. You let others stand up. You let others do what you should have done, good or bad. What I'm saying is we can't go back, leave the past in the past, whether it was last night or last week or last month or last year or last decade. We can't change it, can we? Paul said, that's why I'm straining toward what is ahead. Don't be defined by your past. Don't let your past hinder you from finishing well. The older I get, the more I realize that this race is really a short race. You know, I can remember preaching a sermon. I don't know when it was, but I should remember this and saying, hey, it's a long race. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. You got to be ready for it. At my age now, you know, 35 plus 20 plus one. It's not a long race. It's a short race. It's a short race, isn't it, Bobby? It's a short race. Time flies. Time flies. It's a sprint. There's no time to lay down. There's no time to 
to give up. There's only time to keep in stride with God, with the spirit and keep your breathing level and just keep going and never stop, never quit. And every time you knock down, get up and say, let's keep going forward. Let's keep going forward. It's the art of finishing well. Let's do it. Let's finish this year well. Let's resolve to finish next year well and the year after that until the Lord calls us home. Amen? Almighty God, thank you today for your love and grace and for your strength and for the encouragement we gain from you to finish well. I pray, God, right now that you would uh, do something, a work in our hearts and help us to uh, be motivated to, to live for you, to get in partnership with you. It's all your work. We get the benefit. You get the glory. And Lord, that's the perfect partnership. And I pray that we would resolve for that this very day as we look at the ending of one year and the turning of a page of another. Lord, if there's anything I said today that was wrong or inaccurate or that might have construed the wrong thing, would you please right now delete it from our minds? Just take it away. Delete it and give us, Lord, the good things, the gospel, the things that were said that honor and glorify you. When, if I got in the way, Lord, I pray that you would just delete that and put those things in our hearts and deepen our life that would cause us to walk closer and closer with you. And today might be the starting day for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand.